And welcome. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM during the Sound of Your City Fall Membership Drive. It is happening this week. And Stefan, I have uh, uh, good news and bad news. Well, it's not good news and bad news. It's a, it's a double-edged sword news. Okay. With that, the, good, the good side of that sword, one of the edges of that sword, mm. is that CIUT is doing excellently during this fundraising week. We've already raised 75% of our target, which right. is excellent. That is, yeah, we're killing it. Well done, everyone. Right, so what could possibly be the other side of the sword? Is it that we still have to raise 25%? Well, I was going to say the pressure is now on the Green Majority oh. audience to keep it going uh, because the uh, the other show has been doing very well. Uh, so we're going to have, as usual, we have a, a normal show today. We have a wonderful guest uh, for you, Andrew Gregg, who's a documentary filmmaker of Secrets from the Ice, which is a very interesting look at a, sort of a new field of archaeology that's taken up because of the melting glaciers. So there's another double-edged sword for you yeah, yeah. Um, sweet you get a sweet documentary at the cost of all those sweet sweet glaciers right uh also a uh, friend of the show and uh, and uh, i would say uh, a, a text message provocateur uh-huh. rob shirky is also with us here he's he's on the phone so actually if you want to talk to rob you can actually call right now and just say hi to rob right uh, yeah you just you want to talk to that I, I would just call to talk to rob right. you should also donate don't right. just hold up the lines just while, to talk to rob <laughs> while you're on the phone donate okay so we're going to get down to some content here but i want to let everyone know we do have a regular show we are however also going to be uh, reminding you that ciut needs your support uh that was a, a, a harsh wake up this morning when i realized that uh, ciut does not run on sarcasm no, man we have been We've been trying to pay it in sarcasm for this entire time. I know. I don't know why. I know. So we're now we're in a bit of a scramble because we have we wasted all this time. Yeah, we raised seven hundred sarcasm bucks, but right. that was just not the kind of money that they need. <laughs> all right. So uh, uh, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> so do that. So I'll give you the number now. Uh, it's always a little bit uh, nail biting here until we get our first uh, donation. So if someone could really just take a real load off us here right now and just make Stefan and I feel much better by being the first caller in. So you can call right now at four one six nine four six. 7800. You can also call toll free at 1 888 204 8976. Online, of course, as always at ciut.fm with your credit card. Um, and some other online options there as well. Uh, so somebody can go ahead and do that right away. That would be great. Uh, but getting down to content, because this is still a real show. It is true. We're told. Uh, is that uh, so we have our film anchor coming up we also we're going to cut it down just to two news stories today because I wanted to sort of wax uh, philosophical a little bit Uh, we're going to talk a little bit later about uh, the awesome advances of technology but that comes at the cost of entire sectors of people's employment Mm -hmm. will be the topic a little bit later Rob will be stepping out of I'm going to be trading Stefan for Rob that's, Equal trade, yeah, well then, roughly. Yeah, except that I would argue that it's more fun to call early to talk to Rob than call to right. talk to me. So, so call now, call because now. later you'll have to talk to Stephanie. Which is way worse. Right. Uh, so later on, uh, Rob and I will be talking about that. But right now, uh, you and I are going to talk about some a little bit less fun news, but I would also say some very predictable news, was that yet another oil spill. Why don't I hand it off to you there? Yeah, yet another, yet another oil spill uh, to start. And and also the, the, the oil spill uh, is... What, 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 every once in a while, life gives you a bit of... I don't, levity is the wrong word, but uh, every once in a while, the world sets you up for some good jokes, mm. uh, or 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 sets you up for some sort of you know. Uh, and so this is the Keystone Pipeline, uh, which they are going to make XL. <laughs> uh, the, the same the, the uh, what I love about this is that it's called Keystone, they're, and they're building the Keystone XL pipeline. Right. You know, in case in case you need to, to upsize the, the you know, or maybe like supersize the this pipeline. Yeah, we missed that news story that uh, that Enbridge was bought out by McDonald's. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but so two hundred twenty one hundred uh, gallons of oil leaked from the Keystone pipeline in South Dakota, uh, the Trans Canada. Uh, let, let everyone know on Thursday. Uh, the company said it shut down the flow on the oil pipeline at 6 a.m. after a drop in pressure was detected in its operating system, resulting uh, resulting from an oil leak uh, that is under investigation. Hmm. Uh, and the, the leak took place some 35 miles south of Ludden Pump Station in Marshall County, South Dakota. Uh, and the company said, this company sent the press release. And Yes, yeah, you know, it, it, Transcanada's leak was quote, was quote completely isolated within 15 minutes, and re- emergency response procedures were activated. And you know, it goes on to the say the saying the safety and of, of the public and environment are their top priorities, uh, and they'll continue to provide updates. Great. 
you know, this the. Uh, I would I would argue rhetorically that drilling oil is their top priority. Yeah, yeah. Well, even even clearly. if we grant them, yeah, <laughs> even if we grant them that those are secondary priorities. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, having making sure oil continues to flow through that pipeline, generally speaking, really does appear to be their their first priority. Because right. if safety was their primary concern, they'd be uh, knitting sweaters. Yeah, they exactly. They would just be knitting. Yeah, they'd be knitting sweaters for all the wonderful folks in South Dakota right. uh, instead of spilling uh, two hundred and ten thousand gallons of of oil into their into their backyard. Right. Um, and it should actually was in what's what's important uh, as well to. To mention uh, is that it's is that this of course has been th- th- this pipeline and this, this fight for, against this pipeline has been ongoing uh, for quite some time. Well, the XL uh, expansion of the pipeline, and and it's been and it's been consistently led by by, by indigenous groups uh, and and frontline and frontline people, and the. And of course, and, and of course, it's because a lot of these things go right th- close to their land, uh, in their land, and, the, and that when they spill, it's directly affecting these people. Uh, and so this this leak is not, it, while it's happening in you know in somewhere like like I, I, what I find interesting is is the, is when you read uh, the mainstream news about it, and then you then you then you read um, some more indigenous sources, and and it becomes clear that the mainstream news has even managed to sort of like whitewash geography I guess <laughs> and that like it ends up being like oh this is just somewhere in South Dakota and then you and you flip news sources and it's like oh no actually it's direct it, it's it's actually quite close to a uh, Lake Traverse Reservation um, and, and and the reservation is home to the to the Sisseton Wapaton Dakota uh, and so and this is not the first time this is leaked there uh, and this is like an ongoing problem that they're that they're they're experiencing and uh, and they're monitoring it uh, as well, and so and so these are people who it is. They are now being asked to pay to 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 do this work. They are being asked to sort of well, not asked. They're being forced uh, to to clean up and to and to pay and, and to and to react and, and to suffer the consequences. Uh, and whenever all of whenever any of these sort of things come through the pipeline, which is not an intentional pun, I apologize. Uh, the I'm always stuck to that, that the interview we did. Um, uh, maybe five six months ago now, mm-hmm. uh, what talking uh, talking um, about the, I want to say it's not Trans Canada, it's Skinner Morgan, yes, Skinner Morgan pipeline, mm-hmm. um, and and that Salawatooth uh, First Nations, right? Uh, we, and we had an interview at which point the the response about uh, the one of the responses was just that you cannot. You cannot put a price on pristine, basically. Mm. Um, and, pristine and is pristine. Pristine is pristine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, was actually the line. You're right. Pristine is pristine, which was just one of those like so obvious and yet so powerful statements because that's what I'm reminded every time I read all these other things. It's like the answer here isn't oh we cleaned it up and it's fine now. You know, like let alone the horrible remediation effort uh, record that exists uh, throughout uh, throughout the world on these kind of projects. But even if they, even if you remediate it, remediate does not get you back to one hundred percent for a very, 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 very long time. The, if ever. pristine, exactly. If ever, pristine is pristine. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 these types, it, it, there's no benefit. Um, there's there's no there's no amount of money or or anything I can give you, uh, or 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 anyone to to make up for the loss of that of that of of actually pristine nature, of actually protected nature, and and so that's like the, all of these oil spills. Every time there's an oil spill, it, it it you know it's it's hard to take each one as a as a as a true you know as a you know, we could spend. As we joked, we could spend our entire show just being like pipeline update. Here's the five oil spills that have happened, right. and and that would just and that would be end up being a boring show, uh, yeah. which we try to avoid. I, I remember once there were, there was a, somebody else ended up doing it, but there was a, a I was at some environment meeting here in Toronto, and uh, some you know it was like the idea occurred to me to um, at some point previous to that <clears throat> be like you know what someone should really map these out. Uh, and I just it was an it was an idea, and I never I didn't get around to it. You know, I get four hundred ideas a minute, mm-hmm. and this just kind of came and went. And then a few weeks later, uh, I I met someone at an environment meeting who'd actually started a project to do that, mm-hmm. uh, to actually map uh, spills. And there there there's there the site they made I believe is still active. There are other sites available, uh, but it's it's also like oh dear God, 
like <laughs> it's it's you could spend years like doing the research it's like the, the 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 amount you can find with a quick search and then but then the distance between the quick search and accuracy is is another gulf like these happen all the time and every single time i mean it reminds me of the the gun violence in mm. united states right like they're happening constantly and as soon as it happens everyone's like well don't get you know don't blow this out of proportion mm. it's just one event but let's not overreact be let's like not- okay what about the one tomorrow what about the one the day after that what about the one that- which was the one that we're allowed to react to yeah, well and not to mention this is the, the, the this is the pipe this is the this is the just the keystone pipeline not the much larger pipeline which they are currently still trying to force through uh the uh, a variety of, uh, of of people's lands and and, and so is this one of the things where it's like, you know, let's not politicize this oil spill, but let's definitely make the potential for the next oil spill to be much, much bigger. Right. <laughs> just like, let's just go for that. Well, and, it, you know, it, it, again, it, and, you and, go for your dreams, Stefan. Well, aim then, high. Aim high. Exactly. Well, and, then, and, and as the end of the show, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of highlight, I think, where do you go? You know, how do you, if that's, you know, if. It, it, we're here. The first half of the show is talking about how the fact that we are that oil oil is causing this kind of damage and it's ongoing. The end of the show is is, is basically a preview of how oil is in no way the future, right? And so like and, and so like nobody thinks so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and it's so like at some point the rubber is going to hit the road, right? Like at some point there's going to be a, a moment in which these these oil companies realize that they are sinking a ton of effort and ton of money into into something that will ultimately not pay off, yeah. uh, and. You know, it's interesting. I don't know at what point when that will happen, uh, but it's but it's it's going to for sure. I know something else that will happen though, is uh, that, which is that we're going to get uh, callers calling in. Right. Uh, yeah. So it'd be a great time to remind people. We got a couple minutes left in the section, but just uh, uh, another update in case you're just tuning in. Of course, you're listening to the Green Majority, and it is the CIUT Fall Fun uh, Fall Membership Drive. Uh, the Sound of Your City donation lines are open at four one six nine four six seven eight zero zero. You can also call toll free at one triple eight. 2048976 or online at ciut.fm uh, there's a link uh, uh, there's a big button you'll see right oh, yeah. at the homepage uh, it's also slash donate today or something yeah uh, uh, but that is also important oh not, not only is it important you also only you're down to five minutes to talk to Rob Oh no! Yeah, yeah. You've, there's, you've there's got four and a half minutes remaining. That's the seconds are taking away. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the, the the Rob train is leaving the station soon. Uh, which of course the Rob train is electric powered. Of course, uh, uh, it has to be. I was I thought it was powered on hopes and dreams. Well, that's that <laughs> that's that's how electricity works, didn't you know? It's, it's all hopes and dreams. <laughs> um, it's just you know, it's just you get a bunch of kids. They all f- believe really firmly in Santa Claus, and then the, the, their hopes and dreams are then uh, heat up water. You know uh, where the water oil comes from, steam. kids. <laughs> you know where oil comes from, kids. It's when hopes and dreams die, <laughs> <laughs> and they get compacted. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the um, so so if you don't want to talk to me, because clearly I'm annoying, uh, <laughs> call in next three minutes, uh, 416-974-946-7800 uh, or toll free 1-888-204-8976. Right. Uh, but so yeah. with, with the last couple of minutes where I want to go with this, so I would, this was not planned, but of course, you know, we're, we're on the air right after Democracy Now! here at CIUT. Hmm. Uh, I know many of our partner stations also play Democracy Now! so you may have heard it recently or it may be coming up for you depending on where you're listening this to. Uh, and and, uh, and of course, you know, we're just getting ready for the show. Last five minutes, we always hear the last couple of minutes of the show. And there was a—I I don't know the context. Actually, this was literally minutes ago, and I and I only caught the last few minutes, so I don't know who they were talking to. But they played a clip of some sort of press conference outside. Uh, there was a uh, uh, some sort of uh, uh, protest. I, I believe they're uh, they're in Standing Rock at the moment, so this was likely over the spill uh, that we're just talking about. But I don't have those details in front of me. But um, I'm quite sure that's what it was. Uh, and the person who had the mic, who is obviously representing some municipal agency or possibly the oil company i would be shocked if the oil company would be this silly uh to hire someone that would would say something like this but uh the protesters were calling uh uh keep it in the ground keep it in the ground which is of course an excellent chant to chant and uh and the guy right into the mic he's not fooling anybody this wasn't a hot mic or anything like that said yes i agree in the ground we're gonna put you in the ground so like this is you know aside from you know for many of us i think i think sitting in our for us sitting here in our comfortable studio whatnot these are you know theoretical to the sense that there's not somebody in front of me with an oil pipeline Hmm. uh we read about it in the newspapers we read the climate reports it's it's to a degree it's academic right 
but there are people who are having their lives threatened to their face by people by people uh, either associated with governments uh, or with with com uh, with the companies themselves uh, who and they're the people whose land is being impacted and and having their water spilled uh, their their water poisoned and their and their land stolen and when they try and speak up they're they're being told that their their lives are being threatened mm. and so this is very very not theoretical for many many people and and I think that's part of the reason why uh, because I I continue somehow to be shocked by this behavior and and I and I always you know we Stefan and I always try and put a fun spin on it and, and and to the to the best of our ability and where appropriate of course it's not always appropriate uh, that's not because we don't take it seriously obviously we we, we wouldn't have been uh, you know I wouldn't have been here just over ten years now uh, and Stefan I think we, we, I keep saying this and I keep forgetting is it just over five uh, five or four I'm, I'm bad like with that. time yeah so quite some time we wouldn't be doing that if we were just came in to make jokes yeah. it's because I it part of it is that I never cease to be amazed by a just sort of how ignorant we are as a, as a group would to know information and then not be able to act on it. I mean, sort of as humans collectively. Uh, but then also just the abject, just hideousness of, of, of certain uh, individuals uh, when when someone is crying about their, their children being poisoned and their home being taken away, that you'd be like, yeah, don't, you know, get out of our way or I'll put you on the ground is, is I think a bit of a wake up call for, for people who see this as a purely political issue. Yeah. And, and 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 I think it's underscores the importance of of this kind of community radio. Uh, if I can, on my way out to, out to the door to talk to people, lovely folks on the phones, uh, if I can just sort of underscore the fact that this kind of community radio is one of the places where you are able to where. You know where you and I are able to to, to, to have these conversations, mm -hmm. uh, and and where so many other people are able to sort of have their voices heard in a way that would not be available to them if they were sort of f if they were forced to work their way through the the sort of uh, you know the 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 ladder to get into the into the the corporate ladder to and then and then to be beholden to your 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 advertisers um, and, and your and, and and your shareholders and and your the people whoever who however you the, the almighty dollar right uh, and and this is this kind of support and you calling in the listener calling in to support or going online um, is allows this whole thing to keep going uh, and it's only run at, you know and and the great thing about that is that because you are the one supporting it and you're the ones who are giving the money you also get uh, you know you get to get to call us up and, and let us know what you think uh, and and so and so give us a call uh, you got about maybe two more minutes to talk to Rob mm -hmm. um, and and thank you so much for listening everyone yeah all right so I think that's great yeah so if you uh, if you're calling in today of course donations above $25 will receive a tax receipt if you want to be a CIUT member and get an actual membership card which gives you uh, discounts to businesses and local uh, businesses and uh, other perks associated with the station as well it's $89.50 uh, there are other perks above that you can get campaign shirts you can even rent the radio station for two hours uh, which sounds really we were talking about some people who might be interested in that actually uh, later so I, I guess jump on that if you have $500 yeah. jump on that while supplies last because uh, I can think of, of uh, some more organizations that might be interested in that as well uh but yes your continued support is is very appreciated we're going to go to a quick music break this will be a chance if you've been you know wanting to get to the phone or, or wanting to jump on your laptop but you've been we've just been so enthralled with uh, stefan and mine's <laughs> sense of humor uh and terrifying news from the front lines uh this is your chance megan's going to give you a, a, an opportunity to to pick up that phone and dial i'll give you the number one more time right before we go to our music break uh when we come back we have andrew Gregg, who's a documentary filmmaker he's uh, produced a piece called secrets beneath the ice uh, which uh, is going to be airing on CBC uh, coming up very soon. Uh, it's a wonderful documentary. I watched it this morning. I'll be very in, uh, excited to talk to him in just a few minutes. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we'll give you over to Megan here. Uh, the number one more time is 416-946-7800. Also 1-888-204-8976 and CIUT.FM. Megan. And we are back. You're listening to CIUT 89.5 FM. Right now, we are the Green Majority. I'm your host, Sarah Kester. Uh, we are part doing our Sound of Your City Fall Membership Drive. Uh, just to tune in, we'll uh, check in with phone numbers and whatnot in a few minutes. But first, I want to get right to our uh, special guest today. Andrew Gregg, filmmaker, is with us in the studio. Uh, how are you today, Andrew? I'm good. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for having me. 
And uh, so uh, I've uh, ha- I have the pleasure and the honor of, of uh, having some frequency to interview uh, documentary filmmakers, uh, particularly uh, from the Nature of Things uh, series, which is uh, really a, a real pleasure for me. And, and I've said this repeatedly on the show before, but I'll, I'll say it again in front of you. Uh, which is that I think one of the funnest things for me about interviewing documentary filmmakers is that uh, they have such a unique perspective of things because they generally speaking. Uh, dive into topics with very little background knowledge and then they come out of it with this sort of like crash course um, that is as much based on sort of the knowledge as it is the experience and so I think it really must be a wonderful thing to be able to do these types of projects and I, I, I was able to watch uh, the the documentary this morning it's called Secrets from the Ice um, and it's uh, it's talking about the melting of the ice, but it's not about so much about the climate change aspect. It's about uh, the archaeological aspect. And so I, I, I have a number of things I want to specifically uh, ask you about that I, I made notes as I was watching through. But I, I was wondering if you would just give us sort of the full overview of the project. Wh- where did the idea come from and, and what did you end up studying? Well, it, it's funny you mentioned, you know, that being a documentary filmmaker, it's a crash course all the time. And most of the time for me, it is. Um, for instance, I just also completed another film. Not to not to waylay the interview, but it's it's called Skinhead, and it's about a former neo-Nazi who. Mm. So it's completely different. But with Secrets from the Ice in the Yukon, I actually lived up there mm-hmm. in the mid '80s, and um, I've known about this story for 20 years. Um, I started trying to pitch it about 16 years ago, <laughs> and um, it never caught on. But I'm kind of glad that it it finally happened now. So what the story is is um, in the Southern Yukon. Uh, there's a whole series of low mountains, and there are these things called ice patches. They're different from glaciers. Glaciers are big, and, and they move and migrate. Ice patches are small, and um, they're between four and 9,000 years old, and they've just been sitting there. And um, at, at an average about four or 5,000 years ago, hunters were going up there. Caribou would leave the valley bottoms because they were being bothered by bugs in the summer. They would go up to these ice patches to get relief, and hunters figured out, well, that's where the meat is. So they'd climb up to f- between four and 6,000 feet and take the caribou uh, off the ice patches. Um, while they were shooting their weapons at them, a lot of the weapons missed and got buried in the ice, and now they're melting out. So mm-hmm. um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a form of archeology span that nobody expected. You know, like in southern Ontario, we're aware that there's an Iroquoian history or Huron history, and you know that there's areas that if you go dig, you might find something. Up there, it was just an accident. Um, somebody found the first artifact, and it, and it went from there. And ever since then, um, the Yukon archaeologists have been going back every summer to collect whatever has melted out. They're kind of like catchers, you know? They're just kind of like, we've got to go and see what the ice is giving us next. And... Um, it's fascinating because these are organic artifacts, so it's not the arrowhead or the spearhead. It's the shaft they were attached to, complete with feathers and sinew. Mm. And I'm, the oldest one's 9,000 years old. Um, they're average about 4,000 years old. So this sort of thing doesn't happen. Any, you know, it, it just doesn't normally happen. Yeah, and and that that aspect uh, is one of the really important details because it's allowed this unprecedented access to actually like accurately date some of these artifacts rather than using uh, references or more. It's it, you know you can't you can't carbon date things without carbon, so you can't carbon date mm-hmm. you know certain uh, many artifacts, and so it's it's allowed this this incredible window of resolution mm-hmm. into the history of these things that is that is a lot more accurate that is generally uh, able. One of the other things that really jumped out at me as well, and it, and it was highlighted I think well in the film was. Um, the uh, uh, the dual application of both sort of high science and carbon dating and and, and that sort of thing being applied in, in sort of real time with traditional knowledge and scientists going up there with teams of uh, local First Nations uh, people and and really it's not sort of like a post hoc uh, application of these things but it really being done sort of in tandem can you can you talk about that a little bit more well I think one of the things that's interesting to me on a, on a sort of a non science level is that at the time the first artifacts started showing up in 96, 97, it was around the same time that the Yukon First Nations were signing their landmark land claims. Mm. The Yukon First Nations negotiated with the governments, federal and territorial, a comprehensive claim for all of them together, and then they had to sign individually. And this is a model for the world. I mean, it's an amazing process that's happened, and, and it's been amazing for the communities. But as the artifacts started showing up, it was at the same time that the First Nations were getting power. 
So if anybody wants to go up to these, these, these ice patches that happen to be in First Nations territory, they have to get their permission. So that's, 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 that's the starting point, mm. that the archaeologists just can't go into that land uh, without permission. And that's, that's an ongoing thing. Every year they have to go back. And I had to. I went up twice before filming and went and negotiated with the six First Nations uh, before we went up and filmed because it's their territory. The other part of that I think is really important about power mm. is that um, – Archaeologists aren't going and collecting it all and then carting it off to Ottawa. That's the way it used to happen, or carting it off to the Smithsonian or the Field Museum. You know, it's staying local. So those those things are really important. And once you've got those ground rules established, there's lots of elders who either hunted in these regions themselves or who had grandfathers that hunted in these regions, and they're happy to lead people to the ice patches where they're going to probably find the next batch of artifacts. Yeah, I think that's that's really exciting. And there there was a, a specific find that I that I think was very very powerful that was uh, right in the middle of the film. But I'm going to leave that as a momentary cliffhanger because I want to take this opportunity to uh, remind folks that of course this is the the type of wonderful interview and and the type of uh, awesome guest that we can get here at Community Radio because of uh, years and years of investing uh, our time into the show has allowed me to make connections that allow wonderful and awesome filmmakers like Andrew Gregg to actually join us here in the studio. So while you're listening, I just remind you that if you can call in and donate we do need your support you can do that at 416-946-7800 you can also call one 204 or online at ciut.fm and uh there's uh, a donation uh, uh receipt uh, sorry tax receipts you can get and there's also uh, thank you gifts and, and whatnot there as well but i think really the biggest thank you is the awesome uh, guests that's really my favorite uh, favorite thing when we don't have guests I'm sort of I feel like the the show is missing something and so thank you very very much for taking the time to come and join us today Andrew oh I appreciate it and I saw the board out in the hall you're you're getting there mm-hmm. yeah you're you're close right to your yeah goal. we're a yeah. little bit over 75 percent and uh, and so we're just hoping the uh, green majority audience will keep the momentum going good, here good. today yeah. good awesome congratulations so the uh the wonderful find that was so very I think very powerful was the the man uh, that was found who was actually uh, DNA dated to find, have, am I correct in remembering 16 living 17, relatives? 17. 17 living relatives. Mm-hmm. What a powerful tale. Yeah, it, it, it's not only a powerful tale, but it was a really controversial one. And it goes back to this, this talk we were having about power, you know, that, that, um, that when he was found, um, he was found by a couple of sheep hunters just south of the Yukon border in Tatsunchini Provincial Park in BC. Mm-hmm. They thought they'd found a lost hiker. And they went into Whitehorse, the nearest town, and said, uh, we found something. And a team went out the next day, and they found a, a, a gopher skin robe made out of 90 gopher skins, a hat made out of spruce root, uh, a bag of tools, and some walking sticks. And they went, well, this isn't a hiker. We've got something else here, right? And um, in, in in modern history, a few other bodies have melted out of the ice. I think the most famous one is Utsi mm. in, in the Alps. And uh, there, it, this, though presented a sort of a quandary because um, everybody wanted to swoop in and just research and take it. But the Champagne-Ashak First Nation, which is in the Yukon, but their traditional land extends into British Columbia, said, hold it. No, no, no. We, we're in charge here. Um, this might be a relative of ours, and we need to treat it as such. We need to treat it as if you found one of our own. And um, it was very controversial at the time because science was saying, no, 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 this is the first mum- uh, human body mummified by ice that we've ever found in North America. Um, we need to look at it. And they came up with a deal between the First Nation and the scientists. They said, okay, you can have him for a year and you can do studies on him, uh, but then we get him back. And when we get him back, we're going to have a potlatch, we're going to cremate him, and we're going to bury him in a cairn back in the spot where he was found. So that's what happened. And um, it actually worked out very well for both sides. There was respect from the scientific community and science that helped the First Nations community. Mm-hmm. Um, and it helped them because it, it dated who this guy was. And they were also, they were, he's about between 350, 500 years old. They were also able to analyze the contents of his stomach, his last meals. And they realized that, that uh, he was about 17, 18 years old, but his diet had been largely marine. Mm-hmm. So he was from the Alaskan coast. But there was evidence of a meal from inland Yukon as well. And he'd been going up over the glacier. He'd been up over the glacier into the Yukon, gone back down to Alaska, and was coming back again when he died. Um, they named him Kwade Dansinchi, which is uh, southern Toshone for long-ago person found. And um, they did cremate him. They did bury him. Um, they kept enough tissue samples and food samples to keep working on the research. And they had the DNA. 
So around 2008, somebody came up with the idea of swabbing three or 400 people from Yukon and northern BC, and they found 17 living people uh, that were, in fact, related to Kwade Damsinchi. So if you go back to the beginning of the story, where you've got science saying, we need to have the remains, and the, the First Nations are saying, well, he might be one of ours. They were exactly right. Mm. He was one of theirs. And when you look at the time frame of between 350 and 500, you're talking about somebody's great, 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 great uncle. I mean, it's within the realm of imagining. It's right. certainly within the realm of mitochondrial DNA uh, identification. So we interviewed two sisters who were related to Kwade Dunsinchi, and we talked to them about, you know, what that's like. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the, really what took me was I was, while I was watching that scene, I was really struggling to find any sort of personal frame of reference for that. I, I, I was not able to find one. It, it seemed like an experience that I couldn't quite imagine. Yeah, I mean, if there's a body, a body comes and is, falls out of the ice and it's, it's several centuries old and you find out that it's your relative, what does that, you know, I think most of us have a frame of reference that maybe goes back to our great or great, great grandparents. This just, kind of blows that out of the water and all of a sudden the other thing too though and i need to mention this i think it's important um the other thing too from a from a first nations point of view is that the the 20th century sort of history of the first nations up there is like a lot of first nations in canada where they were dragged away to residential schools mm. and they were told that um you know your history is worthless and you might think you've been on this land for a long time but that's bs and you know they were basically uh told that um um, you know, whatever you might think, whatever stories you were told by your elders are just not true. And what is happening for that generation that's in the 60s and 70s and 80s now is as these artifacts come out and then as a body comes out, it is actually validating who they are. And, mm -hmm. and this isn't my opinion. This is what I've been told mm -hmm. by by elders and by those sisters who were who whose DNA matched quite a dense and chi. They, they're saying that uh, the stories are still alive on the land. The more of these artifacts that come out, the more we realize that we have been here. Mm. And and that's an extremely powerful thing where science can help inform culture. And that's something we really wrestled to get into this film. Yeah, and um, and I think that's what, that's one of the, the sort of things that made me really sort of happy because that's what I would like. Like I'm, I'm well known to be a, uh, a science and technology enthusiast. Uh, but of course, that that also often the the not as inherent fields, but the application of that and the people who tend to to be applying those things often uh, come into conflict, uh, whether it be through business or through just sort of pure research into conflict with other interests, let's say, uh, among them, including uh, people's, you know, land rights and traditional knowledge and these sorts of things. And so it was very, because of, we've done so many stories about those two things coming into conflict, it was very nice to see an example of, uh, perhaps, as you said before, a, a model for greater, uh, both compassion and partnership in these types of en endeavors that that, it, that is sort of mutually beneficial and, and mutually respectful. Yeah, I think I that would, was nice to see. I would love to see, and this, this is an aside, but I, I would actually, you know, I think a lot of people that are in urban areas and um, um, haven't really traveled to First Nations areas think that everything is an Attawapiscat, mm. you know? Um, they, 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 sort of this prevailing idea that to be a First Nations person in Canada, it's nothing but suffering. And um, while there's a certain amount of truth to that, uh, and there has been a lot of crap, that Yukon claim is really something else. I was there at the beginning to watch them start it. I, I met the first old elders, uh, Elijah Smith and the Yukon Indian Brotherhood that started it in the 70s. And when you look at what it's delivered them, and you look at the number of people now who were the children of friends of mine who are all going off to school, uh, getting degrees, coming back, uh, the amount of cultural reawakening that's happened in the last 20 years, um, it's incredible. And it's one of those stories I just wish it's it's a it's a good news story that I just wish was told more. Mm. Um, and so we've we've just managed to imbue this story with just a tiniest little bit of it. Right. Well, and it's that's a that's a great story and one one of the wonderful reasons uh, that I enjoy having this uh, program. Uh, unfortunately, we are uh, running right up against that a time. We flew sure. through our time, Andrew. Unfortunately, we're we're running out here. But I wanted to make sure that people knew that they could watch the film uh, on uh, CBC's Nature of Things this Sunday, November the nineteenth at eight. Okay, will there be other opportunities if they're? If It'll they're go online by Monday. Matter of fact. 
it might be online today. CBC is mm. starting a new thing where they're going to put them online before they go to air. So I would check the CBC web, CBC Nature of Things website later today. I think it might be online if you want to watch it there. All right. Yeah. Well, well when we do the show post after the show, I'll see if I can find if I find a link. It'll be on the show post uh, as well. That'd be great. Uh, any uh, final words for us here before I have to let you go, Andrew? Well, I, I think that what's happened here is that because of because of the artifacts they're finding and because the, the climate is changing, the irony is that it's created a brand new branch of archaeology and it's essentially Canadian made. This is a whole new discipline. People are going to be studying it in school, and and it comes from the Yukon, and I think that's really amazing. Well, and thank you for doing your work and to help uh, share that with the rest of us. Thank you. Absolutely. So uh, that was, again, uh, Andrew Gregg with Secrets from the Ice. It'll be on uh, uh, television this Sunday, November 19th, as well as online. We'll we'll make sure we get those posts up uh, as well. And thank you very much to to Andrew and my uh, CBC friends for uh, for getting him to us. Uh, We will do one last reminder here before our second in music break, if you uh, are are able to. This is the Sound of Your City Fall Membership Drive, and we do need you to call in and uh, pledge your support. CIUT has made it 75 way, just over 75% of the way to its goal. Uh, But that also means that we need to keep that momentum going so if you've been waiting for your opportunity if you've uh, if you've got a, a, a few dollars you can uh, put in that would be great of course if you get over $25 you do get a tax receipt and if you get over $89.50 number chosen purely at random I'm sure uh, that you also get an actual official membership with CIUT which comes with the membership cards which gets you discounts on all sorts of other fun things there's t-shirts and, and perks uh, above that beyond that but of course most importantly it's because we know that you appreciate uh, community radio that does not uh, particularly uh, new news and informative shows that are not subject to the uh, whims and wills of its advertisers. Uh, This is a very unique and I think uh, increasingly uh, especially needed uh, type of platform in our uh, uh, media choked uh, world uh, today. So this would be a really great opportunity to to show us that you care about community radio and about the Green Majority specifically. So go ahead and call in, please. Uh, This will be your opportunity. While Megan gives you your second music break to call 416-946-7800. You can also call toll-free at one 888 2048976 or go online at ciut.fm. Megan. All right, you're back. We're in the final stretch here of the Green Majority Radio Program. We have had a couple of callers, and we thank those uh, callers very, very much. But we do need a number more. Uh, we need to get that number up. So if you've been uh, waiting for an opportunity, please do take this opportunity to call. I'll give you that one number one more time, and then we're going to hear from Rob Shirky, who's in the studio here from our horizon. So the number to call is 416-946-7800. You can also call toll-free at one 204 8976 or go online at ciut.fm uh now is the time now is the time we have a few minutes left here though we're in the in the last section of the show and and rob you've uh you it hasn't been too long since you've been on but it's been a little while it has been a little while but it's great to be back yeah, yeah awesome yeah. as well as always great to have you and we, we saved the more fun story for you uh because we thought that would be nice to <laughs> <laughs> uh, come in and and you know use your smile to talk about terrible things so we're still talking about uh i think big questions and 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 serious uh, uh questions that we need to be asking ourselves as a as a society but mm-hmm. it's a bit more fun because it's kind of like the downside of good things which mm-hmm. is uh of course uh, uh tesla's a very famous company we spent quite a bit of time talking about elon musk on this program uh more so than other individual companies i would say mm-hmm. outside, outside of the specific oil companies um and the 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 sort of news point today was an, was an article talking about how they've uh, not only they've been they've sort of been hinting at the fact and, and it made some degree in press release I don't follow it that closely but uh, the people have been expecting them to come out with a fully electric truck other companies are also uh, racing ahead in fact I was reading an article the other day about how uh, I believe it was the CEO of uh, Nissan was actually really quite upset with how much publicity they got because uh, Nissan's cars are actually selling better or, and all mm. this stuff so anyway so there's some there's some there's some uh, some Jealousy, I think, yeah. of the ability of of Elon Musk and Tesla's ability to sort of control the narrative on that, because there's definitely not the only company. Uh, and, uh, Nissan, if not somebody else, is is soon if they haven't already just. Uh, and I know uh, uh, Matthew Klippenstein is one of the listeners who's also mm-hmm. an occasional guest, who's our EV expert, is probably texting me, tweeting me <laughs> furiously right now with the accurate information. Uh, but the so they're coming out with not only a fully electric truck, mm-hmm. um, but automated. So yeah. the idea, the topic here we're talking about is. Uh, essentially a fully electric automated shipping mm-hmm. uh, on our roads there's of course safety concerns and there's technology we had a fun, there was a fun story I saw the other day not really fun but it's amusing mm-hmm. I think of the uh, there was a city I think might have been San Francisco or LA or something like that that had its first like test drive of a uh, all electric driverless uh, uh, bus or something and then like within an hour it had a crash so oh, no. you know there's still there's still kinks to work out um, 
but it's obvious which way this technology is going. And so the mm -hmm. question here remains in the, of the article that we're referencing is uh, the idea that, you know, if this is successful, great, mm -hmm. uh, lower costs because things are automated. We don't need to pay drivers, but there goes an entire sector of employment mm -hmm. and, and they're not the only one on the chopping block as automation and uh, <clears throat> digitization, which goes along, which is part and parcel of sort of electrification. Um, proceeds forward at ever increasing speed are we really sort of prepared to uh, are we are we preparing to be sort of the victims of our own success in the sense that our economic system and our social structures aren't ready to effectively put large chunks 20 percent 30 percent 40 percent of the working public out of work uh, mm -hmm. without easy access to alternatives uh, I think it's an interesting question so we don't we don't have to really get into the nitty-gritty here uh, Rob I was just hoping that you would help me sort of philosophically look in this uh, yeah. is, is there a downside to success is, is should we not be looking at it as a downside what do you think well it's interesting and as you mentioned there's certainly there's sort of two pieces to the story one the electrification piece and two the automation piece and so relating it to the previous story on uh, the Keystone XL uh, pipeline spill clearly we do need to to electrify uh, our transportation system and I think most people would see consensus on that I think that maybe the trickier part is the automation piece uh, and so one of the articles that I read this morning uh, said that it's actually 3.2 million people in the U.S. Uh, employed uh, in, the, in the heavy trucking uh, truck driver industry. Mm. Um, and those are, those are middle class, you know, reasonably well paying jobs. Um, and that can be at risk with a lot of this automation. Um, so the tricky thing is, though, I think you actually get into almost a philosophical, um, what is the purpose of work, Right. Uh, sort of a, a question, which is then you're gonna, there's sort of all sorts of value judgments uh, in, involved in that. But one thing that for me stood out uh, in this article that I read, um, it was on Wired, and uh, I'll pull up the title in a second. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna just read this, this brief little excerpt here. Um, it speaks to the nature of the work and it describes it uh, uh, as being solitary, physically inert, and psychologically exhausting. Uh, there's also sort of this, this isolation piece to it where people will be away from their families uh, for sometimes even months at a time. And so uh, what's interesting is, is this stat. It says, in fact, there aren't enough truck drivers to go around, notwithstanding the fact that, you know, it does employ a lot of people, the sector. Uh, but the American Truck Driving Association reports that the annual driver turnover for large truckload characters reached a whopping 90% this year. Uh, and it projects a 50,000 driver shortage by the end of 2017. What industry has 90% turnover? Mm. And I think that's testament to, to the nature of the work. And so I, I sort of asked myself, while there is this, it comes automation, and in general too, you know, not necessarily specifically attached to the sector, uh, it does come at that cost where, okay, there might be a loss of jobs, but is this what humans are here for, right? Um, if, be it, I'm just sort of, on the road and I'm pointing straight for a very, very long time, or I'm on an assembly line, you know, drilling screw after screw after screw, if we can automate that, isn't that maybe better for, for the human experience? I think I think in doing that though, I think we need to be careful, obviously, because okay, well, what happens when, when an individual or large groups of individuals are out of work? So I think that then segues to a conversation maybe about universal basic income uh, or perhaps redistribution of wealth uh, where, and I, I can never remember the stat, but it's always uh, like literally a handful, perhaps even like a truckload of, of the world's billionaires. The puns are really unavoidable <laughs> on this show, aren't yeah, they? Basically, right. um, have something like half the wealth in the world, right? Mm. So clearly then, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot that we can do in terms of redistribution of wealth uh, to sort of cushion the impacts of, of automation. Um, but I ask myself, and I'm speaking, granted, you know, and I recognize from a, a fairly privileged position here, um, but is that, is that what I would want to do with my life, right? Um, or for me, what if we can automate things like, you know, even simple things, the dishwasher, right, that we have, that we take for granted, um, or even, you know, my laundry machine, which there was a time not that long ago uh, where, and, and still in certain parts of the world, this is the case, but here in North America, we take that for granted, but someone would have spent hours and hours doing that by hand. And I think that's that's a net positive because then we're free to do other things. Uh, but then the question is, well, well what? And it, it, I think it does come down to this, um, 
this sort of a definitely full of value judgments and everyone's going to bring their own perspective to this but well well what do i do with my life what do i do with with the time that i have here and for me maybe it's uh gardening maybe it's producing art maybe it's um but yeah it's 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 coming uh and i think maybe what's lacking is is this conversation around everyone's all gung-ho on disruption and whatnot but okay well what's what's going to happen what's the social cost and how do we how do we sort of mitigate or address some of those impacts? Well, and, and one of the uh, implications of that of sort of massive globalized economy is that mm. disruptions now are mean like but they just when you do, when you create when you disrupt an industry now that industries are so massive and so integrated globally, mm-hmm. like a, a disruption you know fifty years ago, it, the same disruption mm. now has a bigger footprint, if you will. So there's sort of the the footprint got bigger and the and the earth, you know the earth is moving more when 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 those disruptions uh, happen. Uh, but I want to just uh, uh, offer you, Rob you this opportunity to. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, to make a, a pitch here as we get towards the end of the show, we've got about mm. eight or nine minutes left, and and you came in because you, uh, I think you care about the show and not just uh, Stefan and I. <laughs> um, so I was wondering if you might, uh, if if you might maybe tell people why why you thought it was worth your time this morning. Uh, well, for one, I don't think you can automate what the people at CIUT here do. That's true. Yeah, I think uh, I think Saren and Stefan, uh, so on the Green Majority show here, and uh, and a lot of the other programs on CUIT offer a lot of value. Um, and the only way to sort of keep that going is to is to support it, right? Um, so so this this would definitely be one of those things where I, I'm gonna, you know, you can't see this, but I'm sort of bowing to Sarah <laughs> right now. That's extremely um, uncomfortable. But <laughs> yeah, um, the only way to support this kind of work, the only way to ensure that, that you know, it's actually a, a going concern is to is to reach into our pockets and make a, a small financial contribution. So I'd encourage uh, listeners to call uh, 416-946-7800 or toll free 1-888-204-8976. Or you can, uh, you can donate online with a credit card at ciut.fm. Yeah, and it's it, it's funny. I actually didn't grab that excellent segue. Yeah, but there's there's definitely certain areas where where things can't be uh, automated. And mm. I think what yeah what what I was really thinking about with that was the idea that um, you know if the if the purpose because like you know I've if if the purpose of not automating something is that otherwise someone won't have a job like that mm. seems really goofy to me. <laughs> yeah, it's like let's do it the hard way just because otherwise you know Tim's gonna feel left out. Yeah, um, seems really awkward to me. But then at the same point, like nope, everyone. It seems like most people. I don't want to say everyone. Uh, it seems like most people are extremely resistant to converse, even having conversations mm-hmm. about alternative models. Mm-hmm. But it's gonna be. It's sort of one of those things where I'm at where it's like okay, well, it's no longer theoretical. This is happening now mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where we talk about with reference to climate change and and you know yourself and and other regular guests have used this line Stefan and myself have both said it uh, but it's like you choose the change or change is chosen for you yeah uh, uh, ah no I know who I was stealing that from Kevin hmm. Farmer that's ah. a going back our, our co-host who hasn't been around for a couple of uh, a couple of seasons now that was always his line which is that mm. you you know change ch- make change or change will be imposed on you and yeah. you may not like the change that's imposed on you and uh, and I, I really feel like we need to these are conversations that are immediately relevant they're not they're not future they're not theoretical uh and they're conversations that are happening they need to happen now and and there really aren't other 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 venues for these types of conversations Mm -hmm. definitely not in a fun and casual environment so uh that that i think will be um uh, that's one of the reasons why I think this is so valuable, and I think people should uh, call in and support. You can, of course, do that um, by email as as well. But we do need people, as you said. It, you know, it, uh, as I made a joke at the beginning of the show, the show doesn't run on sarcasm. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, it has to run on actual dollars. So if uh, if you want to even just get your tax receipt, you can call in uh, just twenty five bucks. Um, if you're sitting there thinking, well, I'm sure someone will call, mm. that someone is you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, just like with our when our all our conversations about uh, climate change. You know, the person that has to step up is you, and hopefully yeah. other people will join you. But yeah. uh, don't assume someone else will do it. Yeah. Uh, so we've got about four minutes left, and and I was hoping if uh, maybe we could take that time to uh, uh, if you wanted to give me a quick update on on our horizon with uh, with our three minutes remaining here. Yeah. Um, so briefly, where I'm at, I have actually been. I don't know if I've shared this with with listeners, but uh, I got a concussion a little while ago. Mm. It's it slowed me down a little bit, but I'm still plugging away at a, at a book. Uh, the book I'm expecting to be out uh, in the spring of 2018. 
Uh, and the book is essentially a everything you've ever wanted to know about uh, climate change and air pollution labels for gas pumps uh, and some of the more interesting sort of anecdotes and personal motivations behind how and, and why I started this advocacy. Uh, and the good news is we actually have uh, an MP uh, that will be introducing either a private member's bill uh, or advancing it through committee in some way, uh, this concept of, of climate change disclosures or warning labels for gas pumps when the book is out. The hope being that I've noticed in certain contexts uh, when when the item is discussed, in the absence of sort of having that, that information, that sort of other advocacy uh, piece of the puzzle, that, that book, uh, the conversation is less informed. Um, so the hope is that this will allow for more robust conversation uh, and perhaps inspire a handful of municipalities that are quite close to the finish line in terms of actually implementing this. Uh, and I will say that <laughs> this is where I have to be very careful and vague because I know uh, that the oil industry does follow us on social media and whatnot, so I don't tweet out too many specifics. Uh, but there is a community in Canada uh, that in early 2018 will be implementing this. Uh, and it's happened in a couple of communities on the West Coast, but it's been a very watered down version that mm. was sort of influenced by industry. Um, whereas this design will be much closer um, to ours. And perhaps most importantly, on Sunday in Bonn, Germany at COP23, uh, none other than Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, former governor of California. The governor. The governor also played a role you may have heard of, the Terminator. Um, he had a packed room at the, at the United Nations, uh, and it was a, a piece on sort of health. Uh, and so everyone from the World Health Organization was there, um, said, we need to put uh, warning labels, health, health warning labels, on gas pumps to speak to the ill effects of, of air pollution, climate change, and so on. Um, and uh, so that's a bit of a boost. And we're going to be, I've already actually been in touch with the World Health Organization. So to get some guidance from them on this can then only then empower uh, politicians in Canada and abroad to actually implement it. And so you paid Arnold Schwarzenegger how much money to get that spot? <laughs> or? Was this a pro bono? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was pro bono. I want to somehow work in. I'll be back, but I, I can't see yeah. a segue to it. Well, just I make think, sure. I think that was it. My non-segue segue. I just worked it in. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we are out of time for the program, so I want to thank very, very much to all of our uh, callers and uh, uh, the online email, uh, the online uh, processors that we that I can't see, but I, I can feel are existing there. Uh, I'm sure we definitely need a couple more people, though. So uh, please, this will be your last chance to donate to the Green Majority during the program, which is very, very important to us because it means that I my uh, my heart stops racing because I I know that people love me. Uh, so that's great. <laughs> but of course, if you miss the program or if you're or if you're just tuning in now, you can't still go online at ciut.fm uh there's a donate now button you can use your credit card there and just say green majority is your favorite show because of course it is mm -hmm. um and uh, uh otherwise you still have a few minutes to call in live steph it is on the phones uh, and we would uh, appreciate it very very much so thank you again to everyone who has already donated you still have a chance to donate if you have not yet you can do that at 416-946-7800 or 1-888-204-4444 or go online at ciut.fm. Thank you very much to our guest today, Andrew Gregg, to Stefan, who's sitting over the phones right now, Rob Shirky, who's sitting right in front of me, and of course, our tech and uh, phone assistant today, Stephen and Megan. Thank you very much to everyone. Have a great day, and uh, good luck to uh, everybody there on the next show coming up. Uh, that's all for the Green Majority this week. Have fun. We'll take care.